0: sacrifice that you paid for us 2,000 years ago. God, we pray that you'd be with us tonight as we jump into the word. We love you so much. In your name, amen. All right, take a seat. Can I get someone to hit those lights up there? Johnny Griff or Rachel? Sweet. All right. So first of all, I just want to welcome everybody. If you're new with us, I'm glad you're here. So cool that you would come and hang out with us tonight. Um, Yeah, this is our last Thursday night gathering of the year because we're moving to Tuesdays or Tuesdays next year. So next week we're going to meet on Tuesdays or on Tuesday over in Lang Auditorium because, you know, we're kind of outgrowing this space and and we're just believing that God's going to give us that room. Uh, So next week we're going to be in there and just dreaming for the future together. So I encourage you to invite your friends. There's going to be room for people to sit tonight. It's a little crowded. It won't be crowded in Lang. There's 850 seats. So let's go. That's a challenge. Let's get it. 850 people next week. I'm kidding. Okay, Faith. Let's go. All right. So yeah, so this is our last week of Can't Stop, Won't Stop. It's our last sermon series of the year. So the heart behind this series has been this heart to just be unstoppable in our faith. Because I think so many of us get started. We're like, all right, I'm going for it. I'm going to believe in Jesus. And then we kind of fall to the wayside. But I'm just believing. That God can give us an unstoppable spirit where nothing can stand between us and him. And where we have a heart of going all in for Jesus and all out for his purposes on the earth. So that's the heart behind this. We're going into summer. Sometimes students struggle in the summertime with their faith because they're removed from their college or setting when they have all their brothers and sisters in Christ. But I'm believing that that won't be your story. I'm believing that God will increase your faith over the summer and you'll grow even closer to Jesus. So we've talked about a couple different things. The first week we talked about focusing on things, or things that matter. So, hey, if Jesus really came and died on the cross and then rose from the dead, then we really don't have time to waste thinking about things that aren't going to matter in thousands of years. We need to think about eternal things. So that's the first week where we talked about that. second week we, or we talked about getting out of the boat and walking on water. So, we, so the story in the Gospel of Matthew, Peter gets out of a boat and walks on water. Now, that's nuts. I want to walk on some water. I'm trying it after this. You want to come watch me or the WRC? I want to walk on water. So we talked about that the second week. Third week, we talked about, or talked about just seizing every moment for God. It doesn't have to just happen in this space, but God can move all over our campus. He can move in your classrooms. He can even move at the Panther Town gas station in Jesus' name. God can move in the most mundane spaces and now tonight God's going to work on our hearts okay so the last three weeks have been like let's go for Jesus let's go let's get pumped up but tonight I just want to talk about our hearts a little bit so the title of tonight's message is keep a pure heart as you're going into summer have an intimate relationship with God don't just do religion don't just pray prayers and sing songs but have an intimate relationship with Jesus so I think Jesus is just going to speak to our hearts tonight and I'm going to say some things that might offend you okay so get, just get ready. Don't be mad at me. I'm telling you ahead of time. Okay? So we're really going to talk about the heart. If it offends you, I'm sorry. But I'm not sorry because the Bible talks about it, and I should talk about it. Isn't that my job to talk about what the Bible says? Is that okay with you? Okay. So when I offend you, don't be mad. So how many of you grew up in church? You don't have to raise your hand if you want to. Derek's got his hand up. You can raise your hand. I, okay. Okay. I grew up in church. And I think it's really cool that so many of you grew up in church. The church can be a wonderful thing. But I'm also glad that I know that some of you didn't grow up in church. So I think sometimes when we grow up in church, I feel like we can become religious and just go through the motions, but we don't have that intimate relationship with God. It's like, oh, I go to church on Sunday. I did confirmation, whatever. I'm a a religious person, but you don't have that intimate relationship with Jesus. And that was kind of my story. I grew up in church, and and to, to be honest, I was passionate as a kid. Like, I was the... Kid in children's church that every other kid hated because I actually cared about the Ark and stuff like that. I was excited about Noah's Ark and and David with the with the stone shooting down Goliath. I was excited about it, so I was like this good Christian kid, all throughout until I was about twelve years old, and this addiction came over my life. Okay, pornography addiction, and then I began to feel the separation between myself and God, because before I just measured myself against my friends. I said, "Well, I'm better than Billy." So God must really love me, because I answer the questions in children's church. I'm engaged, I actually sing songs. I play the drums on the worship team. Like God must really love me. but then God humbled me and said, you're really not as great as you think you are. It's not about just being better than the person next to you. It's about having an intimate relationship with God. It's about giving him your heart and not just being religious, okay? So this addiction took over my life for about six years. I got, or I jumped into the party scene in high school And I started to, like, really realize I'm really not that special. It was a good thing for me. Sometimes God needs to knock us down and say, hey, you're really not as great as you think you are. On your own, you need me. So the summer after my senior year of high school, I did some things I never wanted to do, okay? Like, I took it too far. And finally I knew God could never love me. So I've done everything they say you shouldn't do in youth group. I've done everything. I'm not better than anybody. And I was broken before God. And that was right where he wanted me. It was in my heart. It was actually pure before him. And I wasn't carrying my pride, but I was as humble as I could be because I knew I was not worth anything at that point. That's what I felt like. And I asked Jesus, I said, I've screwed up so much. I've done so many things to rebel against you. I've proven that I'm not worthy. Could you ever love me? And I can't explain it to you other than something supernatural happened in that moment. My heart changed. I haven't been the same since. Because God told me there's nothing that could ever separate you from my love. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter if you grew up in church. I don't give a crap if you played on the worship team. Worship team? Just saying. God doesn't care if you play guitar. That wasn't nice. All right, so. God does not give to. Okay, I don't know what I'm going to say. Don't give a crap about our religious activity. He doesn't really care. What God wants is your heart. That's what I realized in that moment. I can't go half in, half out. I can't go to church and and act religious and then live my life the way I want throughout the rest of the week. I believe that God wants us to drop an act tonight. Because I think some of us have an act. And God wants us to drop it tonight and give our whole heart to Jesus. Say, I'm holding nothing back. Give my whole heart to you. I believe that Jesus wants to do that tonight. As we conclude, can't stop, won't stop, Jesus wants us to realize that if we really want to be unstoppable in our faith, then we have to give him our whole hearts. We have to be all in. We have to allow him to speak into every area of our life. We don't get, like as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you're saying, you are Lord. You don't get to hide things from him anymore. It's either all or nothing. Nothing. God wants to do that tonight, putting all our chips into this thing. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, I don't want to walk away from him. If Jesus rose from the dead, I want to follow him because he is God. We sing these songs about, you know, Jesus rising from the dead. Do we really believe it? Do do we really believe that Jesus died on the cross? And that's what we're going to come to tonight. It's a question for each of you, for me. Do we really believe it? And if we do, it should change everything to change everything about you. You, once you accept Jesus in your heart, or however you want to say it, submitting your resignation as the Lord of your own life, saying you are Lord, you're a king. We got two services left, so I'm going all in tonight. I'm going to be a little passionate. I drank a Kickstart before this, okay? It wasn't good. Like, Levinsky was scared because I was running around the whole worship practice, just going back and forth, back and forth. He's like, dude, what is up with you tonight? Don't drink a Kickstart before service. So I get kind of crazy. So tonight, Jesus is going to ask us for our hearts. It's a simple thing. And I pray that each of us would make the decision saying, I'm all yours. I'm not holding anything back. I don't want religion. I don't want a superficial relationship. I don't want to act anymore. I just want you, Jesus. So Jesus talks about this a little bit in the Gospel of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to. Or to Matthew chapter 15, and we're going to go through 20 verses tonight. That's the most I think I've done this year, so get ready for it. 20 verses. Some of them are short, so it's going to be good. It's still going to be good. So in this passage, the religious people of Jesus' day followed something called an oral law or spoken law. So, so this wasn't the Bible. This wasn't Scripture. It wasn't God-breathed Word. No, this was oral law, something that they came up with. It was traditions, so it was a collection of interpretations of the Bible or of the law that was actually passed down from generation to generation. So it's this thing on the side from the Bible. It's not the Bible, it's something on the side. They, these things were traditions, but they weren't actually found in the scriptures. And some of these religious people of the day would obey these traditions, but not obey the actual, the actual law of God. So this would be like people saying today, I'm going to do the traditional stuff, in religion, but I'm not actually going to obey the Bible. I'm not going to read the Bible. I'm just going to do what the church tells me to do, although there's nothing wrong with tradition. But I'm just going to go in there, do what they tell me to do. I'm not actually going to read the Bible and figure out what God said. And Jesus gets ticked. Jesus gets mad. Believe it. He does. Read the Gospels. Jesus gets mad sometimes. And he, it's typically at the religious people. So if someone comes, they're a prostitute, Jesus loves that person. If they're religious and they think they know everything and they're prideful. Jesus is like, you better back up, boy. Come on, that's what he did to me. So this prompts Jesus to make some sweeping claims about our relationship with him and how our hearts should be before him, how it shouldn't be about just religious activities, but it should be about a relationship with God. So I'm going to pray real quick and then we'll jump into it. Jesus, I pray that you would just illuminate the scriptures to us tonight. I pray that the Bible would preach, that I wouldn't preach, but the Bible would, the Holy Spirit would. Jesus, I pray that you would just have your way and that you'd work on our hearts. God, if there's any barriers we have up right now between You or between you and us, break those down. Break down every barrier, Lord. Speak to us in your name, amen. All right, let's go. 20 verses, we're going to get through it. Verse one. Then the Pharisees and scribes, so the religious people, came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? So they're calling him out on not doing the interpretation, not obeying the interpretation, the traditions. So why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? for they do not wash their hands when they eat. So the law said that the priests, or the priests had to wash their hands before doing their duties, but it said nothing about just an average person washing their hands before they eat. That was something they had interpreted from the scriptures and tried to add to the Bible. So they're saying, your disciples should be obeying the tradition. Verse three, Jesus answered them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Boom, drops Mike right there, it's over. Jesus just, he's a, Just man's man. All right, verse four. For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. So he's saying that's what the law says. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, then he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. So the Pharisees had sought away... Or sought a way around obeying that commandment. They said, if you give your money and give yourself to the temple, then you don't have to take care of your parents because you gave it to God. But Jesus is saying, uh-uh. No, your tradition does not trump that command. He says, you need to take care of your parents. Why do you make that void? You're calling the disciples out. I'll call you out. Boy, I know everything about you. Think about that. That's crazy. When Jesus starts calling you out, it's scary. All right. So verse 7, he gets vile. He says, you hypocrites. Well, didn't... Isaiah prophesied of you. So Isaiah is that passage I read earlier. Isaiah prophesied about some cool things. You should read Isaiah. But anyways, when he said, verse 8, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Stay with me here. Verse 10, And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not, this is foundational, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. So in other words, he's saying it's not your religion that defiles you. It's not if you eat the right foods, but it's what comes out of your mouth. Then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He's like, disciples are like, you shouldn't say that. It's not politically correct. You're going to offend somebody. Verse 13, he answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Then let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. So he's saying, just let them go. Verse 15, but Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that or that whatever goes into your mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled So Jesus is talking about the food laws here. So there's food laws in the Old Testament. you probably heard that before if you've been a Christian, you ever talked to an atheist or something, they're like, hey, why don't you, or why do Christians eat shellfish? Right here. This is it. Jesus says you don't need to do that anymore. You don't, or you don't need to obey the food laws. He says it doesn't matter what you eat. It matters where your heart is. Verse 18. But but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this is what defiles a person. For out of the heart, Comes evil thoughts, comes murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. This is what defiles you. But I don't give a crap about unwashed hands. It doesn't defile anybody. That's the Daniel Standard Version. All right. So I like saying crap. All right. So, main point tonight Jesus wants our hearts, not just lifeless words or religious rituals. Jesus wants our hearts. That's all I can plead with you. So we got two sermons left. The next sermon I'm just gonna be dreaming about the future. So this is my last chance, really. Jesus wants your heart. He doesn't want your religion. He wants your heart. One of the things I love about Jesus is he is not just after us simply obeying a list of rules or being religious. He's after our hearts. Yes, he wants us to obey him and to love him with our whole hearts, but this flows out of an appreciation and a gratitude of what he's already done for us. So our acts, our, our righteous deeds, our filthy deeds, those things don't determine if God loves you. He already loves you. He proven, God proved that by Jesus on the cross. But if you've truly been touched by the love of God, then it should change you. We need to obey Jesus with our whole hearts and out of an appreciation for the cross and for his great love. So talk about this a few times. The gospel is not, I obey and therefore I'm loved. So the gospel is the good news, the good news of Jesus. It's not, hey, go ahead and obey and then God might love you. No, the gospel is you are already infinitely loved. And because of that truth, then you should obey Jesus. You got to get that. God's not gonna be pleased if we simply do religious activities or recite prayers, but in our hearts, we don't actually love him. God will not stop until he has our whole hearts. So tonight, I wanna answer a question. Put it up on the screen there. How do we know that our hearts are after Jesus? So Jesus is gonna work on our hearts tonight, and we're just gonna look at this question and answer, and I want you to kind of think about your own life as I go through the three points and say, is my heart after Jesus? Measure your life up against these answers and see if you're truly in love with God. And that's okay if you're not. God can transform you. This isn't a sermon to make you feel condemned. Tonight, God wants to pinpoint some dark areas of our hearts so we can bring them out to the light and find healing and find a true relationship with Jesus. So the first point tonight is this, and this is all from that passage. The way we know that our hearts are after God is we uphold the word of God above our traditions and ideas. Jesus has some serious issues with the Pharisees. The Pharisees claimed to be close to God. They claimed to be the ones leading others close to God, but their hearts were actually far from him. Jesus knew that they were just religious, but they weren't actually after God's heart. They were religious, but they didn't have a relationship with God. And one of the ways that Jesus knew this was they continually put their own ideas and their own traditions above his actual word if you claim to love Jesus that you put your own ideas and your own traditions above the word of God and that's a scary place to be one of the ways we know if our hearts are really after God is we submit to whatever the word of God says you know we might not agree with the word like, or, or like right when we read it there's been times I'm like why'd you do that? You're, God were you crazy back then? What happened? So it's not that you just have to blindly agree with everything, but if you take that problem you have with Scripture, you bring it before the Lord and you say, Lord, I want to understand. Lord, I'm going to submit to that. I'm going to embrace that as my ideology on life because I know that you are smarter than me, that your thoughts are way higher than mine, that you love me. The only reason you give me commands in the Scriptures is because you love me and you want me to live my best life. There's a life of flourishing and relationship with God. Yeah, you may not agree with that at first, but you need to bring that before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm willing to submit to that. I don't understand everything, but I'm willing to bow before you and say, you are king, and because you're king, because you rose from the dead, I'm going to obey you. So Jesus talks about this in verse 3 and 6. He says, he answered them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? He need not honor his father, so for the sake of your tradition, you have made void... The word of God. Jesus says, do not break my commandments for the sake of your traditions or your own ideas. If you really love me, if you really love me, then you will submit to my word. If you really love me, then you will lay aside your own opinions and you'll follow me. Then in verse 6, he says, do not make void the word of God for your tradition. He challenges us to have a worldview that is shaped by the word of God and to live lives that are shaped By the word of God. So one thing I've struggled with when it comes to the Bible, and this is because I grew up in America, you know, it's the American dream, you make a lot of money, you buy a lot of stuff, you just be, just get yourself stuff, you know, maybe give like a percent of your income to the poor or something, just so you feel good, but just get as much money as you can. That's something I've struggled with, I think a lot of us have, because we've grown up in America where the biggest ideal is to make as much money as you can. There's nothing wrong with making money, What's wrong is the idea that it's just all for me, I'm just... I'm just going to gather as much stuff as I can, as much treasure on earth as I can. So when I started reading the Bible and Jesus said things like, it's easier for a rich man to go through the, or no, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. I was like, what are you talking about, Jesus? I grew up in America. I want to get my big old truck, my big house, my pool in the backyard. There you go. I don't even know what she said, but it was good, I'm sure. So... (laughs) So sometimes, so that's something I struggle with, but I had to pray about it and say, Lord, help me understand. And it actually makes a lot of sense to not just get stuff for yourself. It didn't take long because it makes sense. You don't want to just be selfish and get your own stuff and just not care about anybody else. But that's something where God challenged my worldview because I've grown up in America and God challenged my worldview. And the only thing you can do when God challenges your worldview, which is going to happen a lot because we haven't necessarily grown in a culture that just embraces the word of God. Then you have to bow before God and say, God, just help me to understand. Lord, I don't really get why I can't have as much money as I want and have a nice you know, Lamborghini. It doesn't make sense to me, Jesus, but help me. I really want that Lamborghini, and if you want to give it to me from a friend, that's cool. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have to humble ourselves before God. So what does this mean for us in this room as college students? It means that if you truly love Jesus, then you will always uphold what he says above what you think or what the world teaches you. So here you and I, there's two There's two extremes. One, you're going to be bombarded on this campus by secularism. They're going to say, you have to think this way. This is the way you're supposed to think in our country. They're going to challenge Jesus. They're going to challenge things like that. And we're not called to hate these people or separate ourselves from them. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to love them. But we're also called to cling to the word and say, I'm not going to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. We cannot bow to that, or to that altar of secularism. And then there's the other extreme, okay? It's traditionalism. It says just go through the motions. As long as you look good to everybody else, then you're good. Or as long as Sally down the street doesn't think you're a sinner, then you're great. We cannot bow at that altar either. We cannot bow at the altar that says, hey, just keep everything looking good on the outside, but who cares what your heart's like? We don't want religion. We also don't want secularism. We don't want tradition or secularism. We want Jesus. God's challenging some of us tonight. What camp do you fall into? Do you fall into the secular one or, or more in the, hey, if I just keep a, keep a good look on the outside, if I just don't cuss and, and I don't have sex before marriage, then I'm great and everyone's gonna think I'm awesome. God does not care about that. Yeah, he wants us to obey him and, and live a life that honors him, it says in the word it says that our righteous deeds are like filthy rags before the king of kings so he doesn't care if you just have all these deeds he cares about your heart and where's your heart at that's what God's asking us tonight so the second thing is this we obey Jesus and do not pick and choose which commandments we want to obey so oftentimes people will try to add to the word of God people will try to make the word of God pol- or politically correct or allow for certain sins, and, and, and most of the time it's our own sins, like, hey, if I want a lot of money, ah, oh, God doesn't really say that about giving, does he? You know, we just say, ah, oh, that's not what it really means. And we ask questions like, does the Bible really say that that's a sin? Guys, we should be grateful that the word of God is not conformed to our pattern, because we're screwed up. The Bible said everything you wanted to say, and it's probably not actually inspired by God, because let's think about it. If God is really God, he's way higher than us, then he's probably gonna disagree with you a few times. If he's not disagreeing with you, you've made a God in your own image. The Lord should disagree with you. And adding to the Word of God is, is not a new thing. The Pharisees were doing it back in Jesus' time. They put their tradition over the word. And in doing so, it actually led them to disobey the commandment to honor their father and mother. So Matthew 15:4 and 6, or 4 through 6 says this: For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die but if you say if we or if anyone tells his father or his mother or, or what you would have gained from me is given to god then he need not honor his father, so for the sake of your tradition you have made void the word of god so like i said earlier they were trying to pick and choose like saying hey as long as you give your money to the temple then who cares about your parents who cares about them you don't need to worry about that because you gave your money to the temple you're being religious you're being awesome no god says you don't get to pick and choose yeah give some money to the temple but you have got to take care of your parents as well I think we do that a lot in our culture. We pick and choose. We say, hey, I'm going to obey this, but I'm not going to obey that. I'm going to pick and choose what I want. It's like Olive Cart. Hey, I'll grab this about Christianity. You know, Jesus loves me. I like that. Come on. Jesus' name, that's awesome. I'm feeling good today. But then there's passages like say, hey, if you've tasted the grace of God, then how can you keep on sinning? That's challenging. Sometimes they're like, eh, I don't really want that. I want to keep on sinning. Smile, please. I'm kidding. <laughs> You're all looking at me like I'm a jerk. All right, so so remember, though, we don't obey Jesus to get him to love us. We obey out of gratitude for what he's already done. You cannot, please don't fall into legalism. I'm not saying obey God and then he'll love you. No, he's already loved us so much, he's paid for the price of our sin on the cross, and out of that, obey him. So verse 7 and 9, or 7 through 9 says this. It's when Jesus got real feisty. He says, you hypocrites, or he said, well, did Isaiah prophesied of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching us teaching doctrines the commandments of men. I don't want to just honor God with my lips. I don't want to just pray a prayer, tell him I believe in you, I love you, thank you for paying for my sins, but then live my life the same way that I always have. I don't want to come here on Thursday nights, jump around, part of that was the kickstart tonight, but jump around sing a few songs, and then go out and just live like everyone else. I don't want to do that. I want to be all in. I want my worship on Thursdays to be, to be a reflection of my relationship with God throughout the week. It's all building up to Thursday because I'm already with Jesus. I'm already spending time with him on my own. I'm passionate about Jesus in my own room. And then I just come to Kyle and I'm like, yeah, I'm going crazy because it's already it's just been boiling up because I've been with Jesus all week long. I don't want to just be religious here at Chi Alpha and excited and then go home and keep doing the same thing I've always done. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be fake, and Jesus doesn't want us to be fake. He doesn't want our fakeness. So like I said earlier, for 6 years I was addicted to pornography. From the time that I was 12 to I was 18, I had this secret sin that I hid from everybody. I'd attend church, I'd appear passionate about God, but I kept this sin hidden. I told a few of my friends about it, but just mainly the ones that actually wouldn't care and they're like, "Yeah, go for it." That's the friends I told. I didn't tell people who would actually challenge me. Then when I got to college and got to Chi Alpha, I realized that I didn't want to just worship God with my lips but then have my life be so far from him. I knew that I couldn't keep this addiction hidden any longer because this addiction made me feel lifeless and like a fake and like I wasn't authentic before God. I was just going through the motions. So I confessed it to my pastor, which was hard to do because you're afraid that they're going to judge you. I promise you, if you ever confess something to me, I'm never going to respond in anger. It's always good to confess to a pastor or to a friend. Like hopefully if they're a good person and they love Jesus, then they should show you love because you brought that to life. So I brought that to my pastor and a few friends, and God destroyed that addiction because sin grows best in the dark. But when you bring it to the life, God suffocates it. I finally got to live my life completely open before God and man. I wasn't hiding anything. I wasn't fake anymore, and I was all there. I still struggled a bit with it. I confess it. Every time I did, I brought it into the light. But as I continued to bring it to the life, Jesus destroyed that addiction. I can't stress enough with you guys. Don't just fake it. Don't appear religious but not actually obey Jesus. Don't just live lives that appear to be close to God, but you're hiding all this stuff in your heart. It's not a good place to be. That's just tearing you up. Like I know there's some people in this room that, or that's your story. When I talk about that, you're like, that's me. Your heart's like beating. You're like, I really don't want to keep living like this. I don't want to keep being fake. Like No one wants to be fake. Jesus doesn't ask us to be fake. He paid for every sin on the cross. And the only way he's going to respond if you bring something to him is with love, with thankfulness that you brought it to him and brought it to life because he already knows about it. Surprise. God knows everything. Don't pick and choose what commandments you want to obey, but seek to obey God in every area of your life. John 14, 15 says this. If you really love me, then you will keep my commandments. It's a hard challenge for me because I'm, I'm not perfect. And Jesus isn't saying, hey, be perfect. He's saying, if you truly taste or taste my goodness, if you've truly have been saved, then you will attempt to keep my commandments. And, or when you fall short, then you'll bring it to the light and confess it. To, or to God and to friends. We confessed. Guys, we have to confess to our friends. We have to bring sin to the light so it can't entangle us. James 5.16 says this. It's this one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one, or pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. When we bring sin into the light, God is able to heal us. God is able to help us, but if we hide it from him, he's not going to be able to do his work. We have to be obedient, or be obedient in our actions, trying to be like Jesus, but also being obedient and bring our sin to the light. God calls us to bring it to the light. So tonight, if there's anything, I want you to bring it to the Lord or bring it to a friend. Bring it to me. Bring it before God. Do not hide it. God, is not your, God does not want religion. He doesn't want you just to act like it. You're not fooling him. You're probably not fooling your friends either. People are smart. People can tell you're faking it. Bring it to God. The point, so the mark of a healthy Christian life is not perfection, but it's progress. It's progressing every single day. So this leads me to my third point. This is the last one. If our hearts are truly after God, then we continually become more like Jesus. The final way that each of us can know that our hearts are after God to know that we're actually genuinely pursuing Jesus and in His will, as if we're becoming more like Him. Now, it may be really slow. Like some people are like rabbits, they're just running. Some are like a turtle, like, yeah, I didn't cuss. Jesus, I only cussed 20 times today. It used to be 25, 15. In Jesus' name, just slowly progressing. But that's that's the point. We slowly progress, and God's cheering you on you go, and honestly, I don't know why I'm talking about cussing. It's not the most important thing. I'm not saying to cuss. I'm just saying that's the last thing you need to worry about. That'll come. But there's other things. And just a good example. The point is to progress. To grow. To become more like Jesus. If you're really impatient, if you know Jesus, then you should start becoming more patient. Now maybe you only wait, or before you'd wait like two seconds, you snap on someone, and now you wait like three. Victory in Jesus' name. Progress. So it's not about this weight of the law just bearing down on you. No, Jesus destroyed it. Jesus destroyed the weight of the law. He didn't destroy the law. The law is still there, the law is good. But Jesus destroyed that or destroyed that weight because he fulfilled it. Jesus fulfilled the law. So you don't have to obey all these rules to stand before God. No, Jesus has already obeyed every rule and then paid the penalty for your sins so you can stand in his place as him. Like when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. If you trusted him, And now you don't have that weight of trying to obey every rule, but Jesus has already paid for it. So then you can walk in freedom and say, if I screw up today, although I'm not planning on it, if I do, Jesus will still love me. And that's the feel you need to have freedom from your sin, to know that God is not standing there ready to slam down his hammer on you. But God is standing there saying, it's in the palm of my hands. I've already paid for that. I love that person. That's freedom. Freedom. That's knowing that Jesus paid the penalty, and I don't have the weight of the law anymore. So verse 10 and 11, and we're going to jump down to 18 through 20, says this. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it's what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts and, and murder and adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are the things that defile a person, but to eat with or to eat with unwashed hands does not defile you. So what's coming out of your mouth? That's what Jesus is asking. In other words, just saying, How is your life? Are you living like Jesus? If not, are you seeking to grow past these struggles? Are you repenting of your sin? Are you bringing your struggles to Jesus and asking him to help you? If you have an evil thought, do you take it captive and submit it to Jesus and say, Jesus, I repent of that. Please transform that thought. I know you already love me and you're not going to condemn me. But Lord, help me to think more like you. If you aren't living a sexually pure life, do you repent of that? Do you seek to grow past it? Or do you just say, ah, God doesn't really expect that from me? You're a son or daughter of the king. If you're a son or daughter of the king, you should live like the king. God doesn't want you to obey those things just so, you know, you're a great person. That's not why. It's not to get God to love you. It's because that's who you're destined to be, someone who lived like Jesus. And that's where fulfillment comes. That's where fullness of joy comes. It's when we live like Jesus. John 10.10 says Jesus came so that each of us could have life and have it abundantly. The reason these commandments are there or so we can live like Jesus and have abundant life. Are you bringing these things to him? Are you trying to grow past them? Are you seeking to grow past slandering others? Like, I know you ladies, I'm not calling out just ladies, guys, gossip too, but... The ladies. Well, I guess Hageman's not a girls' dorm anymore. I can't even crack a joke about that. I was gonna say if you're in Hageman, all the ladies talking about everybody. It's not funny. All right, Hageman was a girls' dorm back when I was here. Jesus, forget that joke. That was terrible. All right, so, so what's in your heart? Is it full of evil and darkness, or are you allowing Jesus to come in and clean it up? Are you allowing Jesus to shine light into your heart and push out the dark spaces? If you truly want to be after God, then you have to make a commitment to allow Jesus to shine his light on the dark areas of your life and to pull you out of it. And you don't have to pull yourself out. That's what's beautiful. It's not about pulling up your bootstraps, pulling yourself out of this stuff. Jesus will come down and grab you. You just got to put up your hand. He's not going to force you. Put up your hand tonight. Say, Jesus, pull me out of the junk. Pull me out of this. He'll pull you out and hold your hand every step of the way as you seek to grow past your sin. He'll be there with you. He's not going to condemn you. It says Romans 8.1, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It also says in Romans 8, if God is for us, then who can be against us? It says nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that'll preach. I'm going to preach it this fall, so be ready. Romans 8. Romans 8, baby. It says you're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves you. Mmm, that's good. That'll preach. So you don't have to pull yourself out, but you just have to reach your hand up and say, Jesus... Pull me out. I surrender to you. I surrender to your amazing love. And following Jesus, that's the thing, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Jesus actually says in the word over and over again that following him is very hard. Yes, we don't have to do anything to get God to love us. He already loves us so much. But if you truly tasted the love of God, now think about how powerful this. Think about how unstoppable that love is. If you really tasted it, then your life should be different. We should run from sin. We should run from things that hold us back in our faith. We should go all in for God. We forsake anything that gets in the way of us and him because we want to be with him because he's our dad and he loves us. We want to be just like him and be with him. So Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says this. Enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that goes to destruction. But those who enter enter by it are many so many are going to go through the wide gate that goes to destruction verse 14 for the gate is or the gate is narrow and the way is hard that actually leads to life and those who find it are few and jesus is asking us tonight are you willing to count the cost of actually finding true life it's not easy it's not an easy thing he calls us to surrender to have a relationship with jesus we have to surrender guys we have to surrender to him we have to give it to him and that's a hard thing to do to say lord I relinquish authority over my life and I give it to you. That's a hard thing to do. That's why only few can enter through that gate. But I believe every single one of you can enter through that gate. I believe with all my heart. It's hard, but it's not impossible. Come on. Because Jesus made a way. All we have to do is surrender. It's really not the heart. Just surrendering to God. But it's hard, or it's hard to do that, but it's not hard in the sense there's nothing you need to do. You just have to surrender and give him your heart. Have you done that? Have you said, Jesus, anything you ask me to do, I'll do it. Jesus, any sin you ask me to repent of, I'll do it. Because I know you love me. I know you care for me. I may not understand, but I know you love me. So just imagine on some Thursday night, you guys all show up here. You're excited about Chi Alpha. It's 8 o'clock. You're pumped up. The worship team goes up there. They jam out for three songs, and they go really long because there's no one to come up and stop them. You're like, where's Daniel at? And then about 20 minutes later I run in. It's been like the 76th time of Good Good Father. David Taylor sleeping on the drums. <laughs> and I come in, I run in. I say, Whoa, you guys will never believe what happened. I'm so sorry. I'm late." but I was driving down the interstate and my car had a flat tire, and I got out and took the tire off and, and it rolled into the or or just rolled into the middle of the street. And I went out there. I grabbed the tire and then a truck hit me, a big semi-truck just hit me. I can actually really hurt. Then I got back up, I put the tire back on, and now I'm here. So what would you think if I said that? Two things you'd think. One, he's a liar. <laughs> Two, he's psycho, and I need to go to a different campus ministry. <laughs> but so many times we claim to have tasted the love of Jesus, yet we don't look any different. Like, we tell people, I'm a Christian, but people look at your life, and they're like, Really? So you're hit by the truck of the love of Jesus. You're just smacked down. Because that's what happens when you meet Jesus. It's like a force. It changes you. It changes your heart. And you say, yeah, I love Jesus, but I do whatever I want. People are going to say, ah, you're either lying or you're a psycho. And don't blame me for that illustration. I got it last night off a sermon, someone else's sermon. I know that just really gets you. Don't blame me for it, though. It's not my fault. David Platt, look it up. Get him. If you're a true follower of Jesus, then, you'll, then you're going to make the decision that you're going to follow him no matter what. When you meet the King of Kings, when you meet Jesus Christ, the Son of God, when you meet the God of the 80 billion galaxies who says, I love you, I sent my own son to die on a cross for you, when you meet that person, Jesus, then it should change you. And if it hasn't changed you, then the question tonight is, are you really following him? If you're a true follower of Jesus, then you'll make the decision that I'm going to follow him no matter what it takes. If you tasted his goodness, then you'll make a decision to submit to the process of becoming more like him and submitting to his word. There are going to be hard times in the process. God will expose our sins. That's difficult. He'll show us the dark areas of our hearts. Like, there's things I've seen in my heart. I'm like, if I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't even realize it. But God shows me, and I'm just devastated by it. Like, how is that in my heart? And God's going to show you those things, and it's going to be hard. But in the end, when you're looking at the king of kings face to face, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, it's going to be worth it. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, actually millions of years, eternity with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Finally at the place you're supposed to be, because we all know that this earth feels like we're not supposed to be here in a sense. It feels like we're exiles on this earth. It feels like something's off. Things are whack. Prince died today. Come on, that's too whack. I love Prince. I don't actually know him that well, but he's great. Prince died, that's whack. There's death, there's destruction, there's terrorism, there's all these things. Things are off. But at the end of days, when you breathe your last breath and you get to see Jesus, that's what you're made for, is relationship with him. And all these things that you let get between you and God, those things are going to seem really pointless. If you want to be unstoppable in your faith, you say, I'm all in no matter what it takes. If you want to be unstoppable in your faith, and you say, I'm giving you my heart, Jesus, I may not understand everything, there may be hard seasons, I may not feel you all the time, but I know that you're king and that you're Lord and that you died for me, and I'm going all in no matter what. That's how we live a life of can't stop and won't stop. The worship team would come up, and, once the, and then once the song starts, we're going to have the prayer team come up as well. they didn't come up now, but... Prayer team's there for you to be able to come up and pray with them if there's something you need prayer for. So I just want to say something. I love you guys. I know this message is hard. It's hard for me. I'm not perfect. Like I'm not, like, I'm not looking at this and saying, wow, like I'm great, everyone else sucks. No, the Holy Spirit's speaking to all of us saying, taste my goodness, taste my love. And when you really taste it, When you really taste it, then you should be really changed. You can turn off the lights, Emily. When you really taste the love of God, then you'll be changed. That's what the Holy Spirit's saying. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. It's not me. The Holy Spirit is asking each of us tonight, are you willing to count the cost of following me? Are you willing to really go all in? Because if you're just doing some religious thing, if you're just going through the motions, you won't last. You will not last. It takes more than that. It takes it takes this releasing of your heart to him and saying, I'm surrendering everything to you. So I realize that each of us are at different places in our journey. Some of you may be on a spiritual high and you're loving life, things are good. But some of you are in a spiritual valley and you're desperate for a touch from God. You've never really tasted this thing I've talked about and you and you don't understand why. You're saying I've done everything. I I've done all you know the religion things. I prayed the prayer I was supposed to pray. Didn't you tell me if I prayed the prayer then I'd be saved? The question is, did you really surrender? So we're not going to be unstoppable until we until each of us surrender and our surrender our lives to him and say no matter what, even if I die for this, I'm all in. God, no matter what it takes, I'm all in for you. So I know life is too short. James, or as we read the first week, James's words are hovering over us right now. Think about it. He said, Your life is a mist. That's in the scriptures. He's saying your life is a mist. Why do you waste it on things that don't matter? Jesus is saying if you really want to live the life that I've called you to live, then you got to get out of the boat. You got to surrender to me. If you want to walk on water and have true relationship with me, really taste the goodness of God and really enter into the or into the relationship that you were made for, then you have to step out of the boat. You can't just sit here and say, "I'm not going to give you anything, Lord, but I'll take Christianity because I don't want to go to hell." The gate is narrow. It's only for those who are willing to get out of the boat. And Jesus will catch you. Just like when Peter, he took a couple of steps. What's so beautiful about our Lord is that, or that when Peter doubted and he began to sink, his sin caused him to sink, Jesus pulled him up. He said, I got you. And that's what happens when we get on the water, Jesus is there with us. It's not about pulling up your bootstraps. Or it's not about saying, I'm going to obey Jesus. Jesus walks with you. If you really want to taste the goodness of God, then you have to seize every moment and understand that God is not confined to a building. God is not confined to pastors. God is on the move. Holy Spirit's here right now, and he'll be with you when you leave this room. When you walk outside and the rain hits your face, the Holy Spirit's still there. The Holy Spirit's not confined to this building where we have comfy seats and, and great music. The Holy Spirit goes with you wherever you go. And finally, if we really want to have a relationship with God, then we have to understand it's not about religion. It's not about doing some rituals or saying a few words. Saying, oh, yeah, I'll take that get out of hell free card. It's not about that. It's about giving him your heart and saying, God, whatever you want from me, I'll give it to you. No matter what you ask of me, Lord, God, it may not come natural to me, you know my natural self, I want to sin, I want to just do my own thing. But I'm going to give it to you, because I know that you have my best at heart. I know that you love me so much so that you told me in Isaiah that was written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came, that I'm going to engrave you on the palm of my hands. And then Jesus laid down and took nails into his hands. for each of us, He carved our names on his hands with nails. And he looks at that and says, "I love that person." I love that person. I died for that person. When you really taste that, it'll change everything about you. So tonight, the Holy Spirit's here. It's nothing I can do. The thing is, is when Jesus saves you, it's just this experience in your heart where we just release it, and he makes our hearts brand new. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, then he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. I'm believing that's happening right now. But it takes the surrender and saying, God, I'll give you my heart. I'll give you my heart no matter what it takes. I don't want to just be a slave that just obeys a few rules so I can get into heaven. God, I want to be a son. God, I want to be a daughter who has a relationship with you. I want to taste the goodness of God and actually know you. I don't want to just sing songs about you. I want to know you. That's what it's about. He's right here right now. So let's stand up just all across this room. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to move on our hearts, Lord. I pray that you would enable us to surrender our hearts to you. There's things we're holding on to. There's struggles we're holding on to. But Jesus, I pray that just right now all across this room that each of us would release those things to you. God, we want to be unstoppable in our faith. But God, we know that just saying a few words does nothing. We have to give you our hearts. So God, we're submitting our resignation tonight and saying you are king, saying you are Lord and you're worthy. You rose from the dead. And if you rose from the dead, that changes everything. Holy Spirit, we want your presence to break out on this campus, but it starts with us getting right with you. So tonight, every heart, Lord, we pray that every heart would be made right with you. Lord, all this stuff we're holding on to, God, we're letting it go in Jesus' name because we want you to move. God, we want you to have control. We want to walk with you again. Sin has separated us from you, but God, we want to be with you. That's what we were made for. We weren't made to just make a bunch of money and do what we want. We were made for relationship with God. Jesus, I pray that your spirit would break out in this place. We're just going to sing this song.